Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is Annie Standinets. We recorded this in person outside my front door, socially distant. I think it was back in early November. It's the last in-person interview I had saved up. It was sure nice to listen to. (laughs) Can't wait till it's warm enough or safe enough to play music with friends in person again. Real quick before we get started, I'm performing and teaching for the Winter Online Old Time Banjo Festival this weekend. If you're not a banjo player and not interested in workshops, the live stream is donation-based, so you can tune in for that. If you are a banjo player, these will be some of the best workshops you can take, and I'm pretty sure they'll be archived so you can go back and watch them again. I'll put the links for tickets and more info in the comments. Hope to see you there, figuratively speaking, of course. Stick around afterwards, and I'll tell you how to keep up with Annie Standing Nets. But first, here's our interview and jam. Enjoy. Thank you. 
Annie Standing-Nitz. Welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> me too. That was great. That was really fun. <laughs> Good salt river. Mm. So I first heard about you when I was scrolling and I saw an announcement for the Quarantine Happy Hour, which has been such a lovely resource. Shout out to get, shout out again to Bubbaville and all the people who are, there's now a whole team who are running it. Uh, but yeah, I saw your, your show with John Kale. Is that how his name's pronounced? Yes, yeah, great. that's my partner. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it was so lovely. And I was like, what? You're in Portland? <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, yeah, there's, I sometimes feel like there's weird gaps in communication and in the communities in Portland. Like, there's just people who've been here for a long time, and it'll take me a while to find out that they're here. And then I... Yeah. Same for me. <laughs> Absolutely. There's so many great musicians around that, um, I don't know, it, I just haven't gotten a chance to play with, because it's somewhat easy, for better or for worse, to stick to your group, and now that yeah. group has shrunk yes. <laughs> this year even more. <laughs> um, so, yeah. my understanding, and please correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, but is that you, you typically uh, hang out in bluegrass spaces. Yes, that's what I grew up playing and listening to mostly, among other things, but I would say that's been my main thing, I guess, um, if I had to pick one genre, um, yeah. would be traditional bluegrass stuff. Yeah. You grew up listening to bluegrass. Yeah. Why, why, why did too. you do that? <laughs> um, well, my... We, we showed it to you. My parents like it. And it's kind of funny because um, they... So my dad is from Czechoslovakia and my mom is Japanese. And my dad plays guitar and sings for fun. And he always loved American old time and bluegrass music. And uh, they actually met in Japan at Ken and Kazumi Inoue's house, um, who are old-time musicians. Oh, and, cool. Yeah, and so they met in <laughs> Osaka, um, and um, and I was born and raised in San Francisco, and uh, my dad just listened to tons of traditional bluegrass and a lot of early brother duet country stuff. So that's kind of what I was raised on. And hmm. he also took me to lots of festivals and jams growing up. And I always really liked that music. So, yeah, I kind of followed in his footsteps in that regard. I didn't really discover it on my own, per se. Well, that's, that's fantastic because uh, I guess this will be another episode of this sort of podcast within a podcast which is me doing investigative journalism on uh, how to make my kids not hate music uh, as <laughs> kids who are raised in like a you know mm. a musical family where they can there can be like pressure and stuff like that and mm -hmm. it seems like you play a lot of music today and you did a lot of it when you were a kid and at mm -hmm. some point you had to make some sort of decision like yes I, I can take this is part of my identity and I'm not going to rebel against this. Yeah, I guess. it. I don't remember any kind of a clear-cut thing like that happening exactly. I always liked it. Um, 
I did Suzuki lessons like a lot of kids growing up because my parents just thought they'd start me on something. I don't think it, I don't, to my awareness, it wasn't this super like. It wasn't coercive. No, it was, I think they just wanted to start me on some music and fiddle yeah. is uh, found in a lot of genres. So I, I'm sure that my dad thought it would be kind of fun if yeah, I had some formal training, but could also participate in the blue, bluegrass stuff that he did. So I was, and my ear was always stronger than my note reading skills. I'm a terrible sight reader. <laughs> so um, as soon as I started doing Suzuki stuff, I um, started picking up some fiddle tunes from my dad's guitar hmm. playing. And um, Do you remember what those first tunes were? Yeah, let's see. Mississippi Sawyer, yeah. Billy in the Low Ground, Soldier's Joy, Golden Slippers, Red Wing. Yeah. Yeah. So he would just flat pick them on guitar and, mm-hmm. you, and I guess like loop them around as, and then you would learn them that way. Yeah, for sure. Some of my earliest really fond memories are like I would sit in his guitar case or fall asleep upstairs <laughs> in bed listening to him sing Doc Watson and Norman Blake songs. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that's great. It sounds like you had just like a super positive and not scarring <laughs> experience growing up in like a trad music household. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't... Yeah, it was... Well, I guess because... It wasn't ever pushed on me. I had lots of fights with my mom about practicing violin. Oh, <laughs> inter- was definitely. she the like let's 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 push you towards classical, like push you towards that side of things. Or? She just wanted me to practice if they were going to pay for lessons, which is totally fair. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't very good about that as a little kid. I just wasn't sure. very dedicated. It was really hard for me to. Yeah, sit down and concentrate for a long time. And my poor mom, I feel like, tried everything. Rewards and egg timers and just everything. Um, So, yeah, we had fights about me practicing. But then I think when I was about 11, 12, 13, I started um, really getting into fiddle music more on my own and getting really inspired by hearing people play around festivals and jams like that. So kind of started playing that stuff um, a lot more on my own and not being uh, told to practice by my parents. So. Yeah, so they, they kind of got you to the point of self-motivation. Yeah, but. I guess so. Yeah, and then the, I think the bluegrassy, old-timey music was always more fun because that was something that I didn't have to practice and it wasn't pushed on me and I liked the music anyway, so of course that's sort of the <laughs> route that seemed natural um it was it still felt like it was something I wanted to do and was choosing to do even though it was probably you know it's my dad who influenced me first but yeah Yeah. and I also had a really really inspiring fiddle teacher um when from the time I was about nine till 13 Chad Manning who um yeah he played a lot of well, he plays all sorts of stuff, lots of bluegrass and lots of Texas fiddle music. So he um, showed me lots of Benny Thomason recordings oh, and great. stuff like that. Yeah, he's really great at that stuff. So um, that was really fun. He taught me a bunch of those tunes. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, you, you seem to be certainly more than just like a, an old-time curious like bluegrass musician i mean we're like playing a calico tune later and uh i feel like you were in cross earlier as well mm-hmm. yeah 
And uh, when did like when did you start making distinctions between the different traditions and start figuring out how to navigate that and figuring out what you like? Yeah, I feel like hmm, it's a great question. Um, let's see. Thinking about it, I got really excited about improvising when I was about 12 or 13. I didn't know how to do that at all. Um, and I was around a lot of bluegrass musicians and I was so inspired when I would hear these people in jams um, and play these amazing solos. They And they would say that they had never heard the tune before. So that kind of blew my yeah. mind. It was like, how is that possible? Um, so I was into that. And it, like probably a lot of teenagers and kids was into trying to play faster. <laughs> but um, I felt like I was just kind of wildly exploring um, different stuff, but not in any super great detail. And when I listened back to my playing, a lot of it sounded a little bit kind of noodly to me in a way that I didn't like. And sure. <laughs> so We've all been there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Are there still? With in my case, sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> it's I. Hard. It's hard. Totally. Um, but I think, like, I guess maybe in my later teen years, I started learning lots of bluegrass, traditional bluegrass solos, note for note. I've spent a lot of time just picking apart fiddlers' solos because I was like, "There's all these great fiddlers. I want to sound more like." And how do I do that? And my friend Paul Shalaski told me that he learned people's solos note for note. So I started doing the same and found that it started to change my playing um, in a way that I liked more. <laughs> um, and so that was really fun, but I also would listen to some old time and I really fell in love with the textures and grooves and rhythms that you could get with the bow as well. And kind of and noticed it was just a very different style than bluegrass fiddling and so I feel like maybe a few years after I had been focusing more on learning a lot of traditional bluegrass fiddle solos I started exploring um, old time tunes and bowing rhythms more and kind of I'm sure I'm corrupting all sorts of things because I love the improvisational aspect of bluegrass, but I love the rhythms and textures um, and tunes in old time. And so I've had a lot of fun kind of delving into each separately, but then also seeing how they can be mixed into something really cool. (laughs) Yeah, they are more compatible than a lot of people for some reason want to admit or acknowledge <laughs> feels <laughs> like related. that to me yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I love uh, I love playing old time tunes with fiddlers who have a loose or a flexible understanding of what the tune is mm-hmm. and because then the jam sort of becomes this conversation of I don't know, like a philosophical conversation. Like, what is the tune? Is it still mm-hmm. the tune if I do this? And <laughs> yeah, yeah, I kind of like the real time consent of it. It's really exciting that that specific game. Yeah, I and I do really love that. Like a lot of the very old school traditional 
bluegrass stuff that I love to listen to, like the Stanley Brothers, for example. Um, yeah, I feel like the old time and bluegrass, the, the, the fiddlers sort of seem to be like just kind of almost teetering on the edge or something. Like they are bluegrass, but they yeah. seem definitely informed by um, a lot of old time traditions too. Yeah. It's just, I can't explain it. It just sounds that way, I guess, in a general way to me. Um, and it's really, it's, it, and it's not this way, of course, with all bands, but I feel like that disparity seems to have sort of grown as the decades have yeah. passed. Um, I don't know if like people are trying to like define their tribe more or their right. musical <laughs> genres, um, but I've always, I love aspects of both and I feel like there doesn't have to be, well, I don't think I could find a hard line if I looked. Um, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I feel the same way. <laughs> what do you want to play next? Hmm. Let's see. Do you feel like playing that Steely Rag? Steely Rag. Yes. Where's this tune from? From Red Steely, and my friend Meredith Axelrod introduced me to it. When she showed me the recording when they were. Uh, staying at her house when she was touring through Portland with Frank Fairfield. Oh, cool! Several years ago, yeah. And it's like this is such a cool tune, so I had oh. to learn it. So is it Steely Rag or Steely's Rag? I've seen it written as Steely Rag. Great, but cool. I suppose it's also his rag, so it could be cool. either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Thank you. 
Wow, what a <laughs> what a special tune. Yeah. That's so great. <laughs> oh, I like it too. It's kind of different, really sweet, yeah. I think. Sweet little melody. Yeah. And that is like the perfect tempo for it too. It just needs to like <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a little it's a good balance between, well, laziness but also kind of perky, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> sort of perkily determined. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, cool. So, when when did you end up here in Portland? I know a lot of people come from the Bay Area. Yeah, here. yes, I'm one of them. Yeah. <laughs> About 10 years ago or so, yeah, we moved up here to Northeast Portland. It was just kind of maybe a year or two after I had finished college, and the Bay Area is kind of crazy in a lot of ways and expensive, and we really loved Portland, and so kind of landed here, had some friends in town and we've been visiting anyway um and just kind of fell in love with the city and yeah the rest is history yeah what have you been doing musically since since you got here at one point you offhandedly just maybe this was off record before we started but you just like mentioned how like i don't know something about uh different sort of regional canons in Ireland of Irish music and I was like did you also study Irish music or I play some again I feel like it is so it's hard enough to get good at one musical language <laughs> and so I really love Irish fiddling and I have been yes I feel like I've been dabbling in it and um teaching myself tunes where I can um so and, and I've gotten to go to Ireland several times on tour bluegrass tours but I've also fit in as much listening as possible to sessions and stuff and I've gotten to play with a few people here and there but again I feel like the um, repertoire is just so overwhelming there there's just thousands and thousands of tunes so yeah and you have to be able to play three of them like that and like all three that they're about to play in the session right the etiquette everything is so different so i i love the music um but yeah i would i guess definitely a dabbler but yes i do play some irish fiddle um yeah but you went, yeah. So you went there on tour. Do people, do people like? How do people feel about bluegrass music in Ireland? They well, the they loved it where I was playing. Of course, we were playing bluegrass festivals. Um, we sure. played the Dunmore East Bluegrass Festival, and then um, I think it's called the Oma Bluegrass Festival. But there's a American folk park in Northern Ireland and it kind of um, it's it's really well done actually it might sorry sound, what is it it's a, it's a, it's, they call it an American folk park and it kind of <laughs> takes you through the journey of a lot of like how Irish immigrants came oh. over to the United States yeah and huh. um, and there's a lot of well, kind of real life-sized um, 
ships there and and log cabins that pioneers built、yeah. when they first came to the states, and it. Sounds like it could be potentially cheesy, but I think it's a really well done thing. Yeah, and, interesting.、Um, and they have a bluegrass festival there every、yeah. year、um, to kind of celebrate. I guess it's kind of coming full circle. It's like、um, a lot of Americans have Irish roots, and、um, th- those people who. Immigrated, took their music with them, and it changed and developed、um, with other influences when people settled in America. And、um, so, I think kind of the one of the ideas with this festival was kind of like celebrating、um, some American music, I guess, that had been influenced probably by early、yeah. Irish settlers in part.、Huh. Um, yeah. So anyway, that was one of the festivals that I played there, and they're very warm and welcoming, and it was super fun.、Um, and I had a lot of great times just sitting and listening to lots of awesome sessions in pubs. What a amazing culture that is! Yeah. So. Yeah, I always think it's、uh, interesting talking with people. From other places about, well, my experience talking about old time music、mm-hmm. and the perspectives that people have, things that they project onto. I think everyone projects things onto, you know, traditional music, but、uh, ideas about authenticity or、uh, sometimes like you know. More problematic ideas about like what it means to be a hillbilly, or th- like、mm. sometimes you're like, I've seen. People cling to it in really interesting ways who aren't from here. In Australia, specifically, the、mm-hmm. Japanese folks who I've met who play old time music are probably some of the most hardcore. Like, can I recreate this recording? Players that ever. I totally、yeah. believe that. Yeah. There, yes, <laughs> I know a bunch of great Japanese musicians who have been. Faithful to an inc- like just incredible amount of detail in both、um, all, all kinds of music, but bluegrass, old time, gypsy swing as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you you said your folks met in Japan at some old time musicians' house. Is yes. That what you said? Ken and Kazumi Inoue. Okay. And my mom was coworkers with Kazumi. Okay, I was wondering what the connection was there. If she、yeah. wasn't specifically interested in the music, yeah, she always liked American music, but wasn't deep into old timey or bluegrass or anything like that by、yeah. any stretch. But she hung out with them, and my dad looked up anybody who might be playing American、yeah. old time and or bluegrass music when he went over there to.、Um, Intern before he settled down into his dentistry practice in the Bay Area. He was、um, doing an internship in Japan, and so he found Ken and Kazumi through I don't know how he found them, but he became friends with them, and、hmm. um, that's yeah, it was at their house where my parents met. And the story goes that my dad was. Transcribing lyrics for them when my mom came to their house,、uh, 
um, since there was no internet at the time. And they were oh. like, what are the words to this song? And yeah. so they had my dad writing down oh, that's lyrics great. for them. Yeah, I love that story. <laughs> you know. Well, what should, we, what should we play next? Hmm... You want to do that old dirty boot? Is that in the A one? Yeah. Or yeah. should we do? So, is it easier for you to play something else? Like, well, we don't so have anything don't else. Have I think planned in, in D, right? Because that's our. Uh, that's so. what I mean. About that. Yeah. No, let's play old dirty boot. That okay. sounds great. Okay. Oh, start, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah. Where is this? Who wrote oh, this tune again? Betsy Ellis. Great. Yeah. Um, she recorded it with the Wilders when she was touring with them a bunch. I want to say 10 to 15 years ago. Um, I think the name of the record is called Someone's Gotta Pay, but I need to check that. <laughs> but yeah, so this is a Betsy Ellis tune. Old Dirty Boot. Old Dirty Boot. <laughs> Thank you. 
Uh, I love uh, I love when tunes have happy melodies and weird titles. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <That's> the best. <laughs> Yeah, that's a very cheerful one. <laughs> I feel like Betsy's personality comes out really well in that tune, too. She's just a, I've been a fan of hers since mm. I heard her play. She just has this great, like, take no prisoners <laughs> approach to fiddling. But she also has, like, um, she can play a really sweet, sensitive tune that's a tearjerker or just... Like, ah! <laughs> she, uh, um, she's got great stage presence. I love her. Mm. One of my heroes, for sure. So what do you want to play next? So this is one that my friend Paul Shalaski thinks he wrote it. Okay. And calls it All the Way Across Texas. Um, he's so funny. I asked him on the way over here um i gave him a call and asked if he had anything i wanted to say and he said well i think i wrote it um i'm always suspicious when i come up with a melody that i really like that i've plagiarized it from something <laughs> but yeah um he's played it for a bunch of people and nobody recognized it and so um yeah he calls it all the way across texas i think it was inspired in part by a tour that he was doing with the Rhythm Brothers and they were coming back from Florida and I think he said it took like two or three days to drive across Texas and it yeah. <laughs> just felt like it was forever and um, he was playing this tune so oh, cool. that's the story behind it. That's great. <laughs> Thank you. 
that's really lovely. Oh, it's really fun playing it with you. I've never played it with a banjo player, and it's, yeah, super fun. I've never played it at all. <laughs> that's great. Uh, cool. Well, I guess write in if you know what that tune actually is, if it's not Paul's original tune. <laughs> if yes. you know, tell us. Yes. But until then, Paul, great tune. <laughs> We're going to play one more tune, but before we do, where do people go to keep up to date with your musical projects and to take lessons with you and buy your albums? Um, AnnieStaninets.com. So just, yeah, A-N-N-I-E-S-T-A-N-I-N-E-C.com. Um, but I guess... My partner, John Kale, and I have also been doing live stream shows, and you can stay maybe a little more up to date even at facebook.com slash whiskey death. Um, As in can't hear. Exactly. Yep. Named after the Norman Blake song. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think you, I think you all played that. Oh yeah. uh, On your quarantine happy Probably. Yeah. yeah. We don't play it nearly enough, but it makes sense that we should play it sometimes so people can see where our name came from yeah (laughs) yeah well uh it's really really great playing with you i'm nervous about this winter when (laughs) i'm just not going to be able to play with people in person anymore especially now that we just met uh yeah (laughs) i feel the same way i know we really lucked out on the weather this is great yep (laughs) i am comfortably barefoot and outside and yeah that won't be that way yeah but we'll have to play some time off record before it gets too cold i would love that (laughs) absolutely (laughs) thanks annie what do you want to play for the last tune uh let's do i've always been a rambler this is one that i've been having fun with for several years and got it from grayson and witter i'm gonna make sure i'm still in tune Whenever you're ready. Oh, 
Visit Annie's website at AnnieStandingNets.com. Make sure to check your spelling. And follow her at WhiskeyDef on Facebook for live stream shows and news. Annie just told me that on February 26th, she'll be on a panel called A Place in the Band, Women in Bluegrass and American Roots Music, hosted by the Blue Ridge Music Center in Galax. The conference is inviting women to talk about their experience in the industry, in bands, as booking agents, festival organizers, and discuss what can be done to get women more involved in what has traditionally been a more male-dominated scene, I think it's safe to say. (laughs) Joining Annie are Rhiannon Giddens, Amethyst Kaya, Alice Gerard, and many other amazing women in the scene. I'm definitely going to try to make it. Hope you do too. That conference and everything else I just mentioned is linked in the show notes for this episode. You can support Get Up in the Cool by sharing the show with a friend or sharing and liking the video posts on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, and YouTube. And if you're able, please help fund this podcast by signing up at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. You can also support the show by ordering a mask, t-shirt, bag, sticker, or phone case at Get Up in the Cool's merch store. Visit pitchforkbanjo.com for my instructional banjo series. And check out the show notes for links to my upcoming banjo workshops. Check out my other podcast, Think Outside the Box Set. It's available in all the same places as Get Up in the Cool. And again, everything I just mentioned is linked in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. That's all for now, friends. Thank you for listening. Come back same time next week to Get Up in the Cool.